You are listening to Beyond the Verse, a Star Citizen podcast. A show dedicated to Cloud Imperium games, Star Citizen and Squadron 42. Whether you fight, explore, unite, and or trade, we bring you news, updates, interviews, reviews, and analysis. So sit back, relax, grab yourself a pour of Radagast, and join us as we go Beyond the Verse. Launch sequence activated. Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast with your host, Solus. And we are getting into episode 21. We're calling Live Showdown this Friday morning. So funny story. Let's let's get into some backstory to this episode specifically. So we always try to record live on Thursday nights, 8 p.m. U.S. Central. But last night, work was escalated and I had to react um, to a lot of things happening. And so I was pushing back the time of recording to later last night, even sent out on socials that this would still drop Thursday night. And then I actually started recording and I got this like tickle in my lungs, not throat, lungs. So every like couple minutes, I'd break down and start coughing. So I lied like twice last night. We didn't go live and we didn't drop the episode last night, but here we are Friday morning, hopefully third time is the charm and let's see what happens. I might be going on mute a couple of times to block out some of the nastiness that is coming up from my tickle in my lungs. So podcasting is fun for that purpose, for that reason. On today's episode, we are mainly focusing on the live showdown. That's phase two of the ship showdown. There's a lot to discuss, a lot of what excites me and how I'm looking at uh, the metrics and how CIG is running this uh, event. But we will also be going into the roadmap roundup as Windows updates are coming across. We will also be going over the roadmap update, and then we'll end the show going over the lore drop that happened Tuesday of the Hurston Dynamics backstory. So a lot of really, really fun things to cover on this episode. But first, let's get into some business. Number one, I spent a lot of time this last week what I'm calling rebranding. We're still beyond the verse, Star Citizen podcast. We're still staying with star citizen like none of that is changing but all of our socials are now forward slash btv underscore cast so here's the why behind it um one i felt like it was more professional um you don't really want to create your brand or your social media presence based off of one specific game um and more importantly using the name of the game right like copyright issues, marketing issues. We're not endorsed uh, by Star Citizen. Heck, their socials don't even follow us. So I, I wanted to make sure that I was doing the right thing by creating that separation. But again, we are forever, at this point, forever covering all things Star Citizen. Now we might branch out and cover Starfield, which drops in like seven days, a week from today, uh, for those with the pre-order um, benefits. But I want to be very clear that we haven't changed our mission. We haven't changed our scope and what we're doing. But the socials have changed, forward slash BTV underscore cast. Last, we are in the process of creating our website. And again, the website's not going to be anything grandiose or sexy. It's it's literally going to be a landing page for all things beyond the verse. So links, uh, narrative, um, some sort of like compilation of timeline that is interesting in the lore perspective. We're going to be making a really awesome um, web page. It's going to be www.beyondtheversehq. Dot com, But I say this because our email address has already changed. It is contact at beyondtheversehq.com. So at the end of this podcast, you're not going to hear the outro that we normally do. Um, I'll repeat kind of all this again because I'm in the middle of recording that. And my last 
point of business is that recording piece. We finally got, or we, we got our first ad placement for the month of September. If you listened to last episode, um, we were blessed to be invited to monetize on Spotify. Uh, and I kind of gave the why I was considering it. Um, but we got our first ad placement in September. And I'm actually really happy. It's something um, that I definitely put my name and my brand behind. And it's Spotify for podcasters. It's what I've been using for the last six years. Um, it was anchor.fm and Spotify had purchased anchor.fm. So I, I am a I'm a advocate for this uh, this first ad placement. So I'm going to record something. It's going to start on episode 22 for next week, right in the middle of the launch of Starfield. So that's going to be super exciting. For this week in Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast, let's go to this week in Star Citizen. Sharing my screen for those of you on YouTube. So I'm just going to read it directly from Frasia. Happy Monday, everyone. Citizens, brace yourself as phase two of the biggest annual space smackdown, ship showdown, is about to begin. That's right. It's almost time for the intense daily head-to-head -head battles between the top 16 ships that you, the community, have chosen. We've seen a tremendous amount of fantastic content flood the community hub and social channels, like a video of the constellation Phoenix. Your creativity seems to know no bounds and never fails to astound us. For phase two, your votes matter to ensure the survival of your favorites past their brackets. And the top eight will be available to test fly for free starting August 31st, so don't forget to weigh in every day. Ooh, there we go. GamesCon is also right around the corner. By the way, for those of you on YouTube, I totally thought I wasn't recording. <laughs> so I had I had alt-tabbed over to Audacity, just making sure. So if you're watching YouTube, that's that was my train of thought. <laughs> Back to the article. Gamescom is also right around the corner, and we're looking forward to taking every opportunity we can to meet all of the Star Citizen fans making the trip to Cologne, Germany. So there will be not one, not two, but three Bar Citizens next week. Join your fellow Star Citizens and members of the CIG team at the following locations. And then it gives the three locations. Let me pause real quick so I can cough. Alright, back to the article. Check out the Gamescom Bar Citizen post for all the details if you're interested in attending. Please note that as the venues have limited capacity, entrance will be on a first-come, first-served basis. We hear that the community team has exclusive goodies to hand out, maybe even some bodacious Banu Bobbles, so don't hesitate to come and say hi. Now let's see what's going on this week. Tuesday, the narrative team brings us life labor the secret history of Hurston Dynamics, which first appeared in Jump Point issue 10.7. Hurston's hospital was named after her, but was Maria Morton a saint or sanctimonious? This Wednesday sees the latest roadmap update accompanied by its complimentary roadmap roundup, so be sure to check those out for a glimpse of what's coming down the road. Break. We will be covering the roadmap roundup. So there's a lot. There's a lot that has changed and has been updated going into 320. Now the updates are 320.x, meaning at some point during the 320 patch, probably not at its start, uh, but there's a lot to be excited about, so stay tuned. Back to the article. Inside Star Citizen and Star Citizen Live will be on pause this week as the team will be attending Gamescom, but fear not. No content will be lost, and we'll still have the same number of episodes planned for this season. We're just shifting the video schedule for the next two months by a week, and there will be a smaller gap between the last episode of ISC and CitizenCon. The shows will return next week for more behind-the-scenes looks at development. On Friday, you'll find our weekly RSI newsletter directly delivered to your inbox. Plus, subscribers can also look forward to Jump Point Magazine's August issue. For all you votaries of Velocity, get your racing fix on Saturday with XGR Division Pro Series 3, where participants blitz around Beijing with their Mustangs. Catch it live on Twitch from 11 a.m. Pacific. Fly low, fly fast. The community team. 
So there's a lot. It doesn't maybe seem like quantity wise. Um, there's a lot, but the things that have dropped this week are actually pretty deep. So I'm looking forward to getting into each one of these topics um, in the next 30-ish minutes. So let's keep the train rolling to the ship showdown. All right. Last year, this was one of the first events that I really truly got into Star Citizen. So as many of you know, uh, I started during um, Invictus launch week of 2022. I, I'm getting all the dates. 2022, so what, 2952? Um, I got started during Invictus launch week. I was kind of overwhelmed by the amazingness that was that that um, production. But the first thing I really started creating content for was the ship showdown. And you're about to see inside of my beautiful mind uh, spreadsheet here in the next couple of seconds. But I had a lot of fun analyzing the different ships and how they um, went up against each other and how the fan base increased and decreased their votes match over match and round over round. So we're going to get into some of that nerdum here in a second. <laughs> But first, let's go ahead and read real quick what is the live showdown? What is phase two of the ship showdown? And we'll go from there. Let me take a second to clear my throat. All right. The power of like the cough mic mute button that's on my GoXLR, uh, I use it a lot. So here we go. I'm gonna screen share for those of you on YouTube. Ship Showdown, Live Showdown, August 23rd to September 6th. Heroes Rise, Titans Fall, this is the path to ultimate victory. It has begun. The Live Showdown is upon us, with the top 16 ships selected by you, preparing to clash in daily head-to-head -head battles, with the winner decided by your votes in the ultimate title on the line. What's more, the top 8 ships will be available to pledge throughout the tournament, and will be available to fly for free from August 31st through September 7th. Break. I'm gonna read that again. The top eight ships are gonna be able to fly for free in August 31st through September 7th. All right, the 890 jump is going to be there. So that means every single one of you are going to be able to fly 890 jump. It's going to make the top eight. So I, whether it's me coordinating it or another person coordinating it, I think an entire server, 150 890 jumps, need to be flying around Stanton at some point during that week. So let's make it happen, in my opinion. Back to the article. Your vote counts. The final four ships will receive exclusive in-game trappings, while the ultimate winner will secure its place at this year's Model of Vehicular Perfection and go down in history as the fifth annual ship showdown champion, all thanks to you. What is that, like two of the five being the Carrick? It'll be really interesting what happens this, this year. The Carrick is back in it, but we have some contenders, which we'll cover here in the next couple of seconds. So if you're on the website, you're going to scroll down a little bit, and here's where you vote. You're going to see who I voted for on this round. Basically, it's telling you remaining time in the next two and a half hours, uh, you can vote for either the Scorpius or the Redeemer. I voted for the Redeemer. I'll explain my thoughts on TikTok and on uh, YouTube shorts, uh, but I'm not going to get into it on this on this podcast. I will. I will get into it on this podcast. Okay, so just quickly, this one was kind of hard for me. I love the Star Wars-esque design of the Scorpius. I love that it's a two-seater, so me and somebody from the organization, Supervision, can fight together. Um, the turret moves from the top front to the bottom back, or after the ship. Um, so it's this really awesome cosmetic you know, ship, the X-Wing, if you will, opens and closes, like the wings open and close. It's a really, really, really well done ship. But when you compare it to the Redeemer, really all I have to say is the Redeemer has a working fridge and it wins. But when you compare it to the Redeemer, the Redeemer is a four-seater heavy gunship with a garage. So you can't put like vehicles in the garage, but you can use it for box missions. And so if you want that versatility, if you only have, you know, an hour to play and you want to be able to do every single mission type with one single ship, 
it's going to be the Redeemer because you can't put anything inside of the Scorpius. So working fridge, a garage to put boxes, Redeemer wins in my opinion. So that's that. Yesterday, it was the Fury versus the Arrow. And that to me was a no-brainer. Um, I think if you are actually flying both of those ships in combat or just for the sake of flying it, I think the Fury wins. It's very fun. It's really well done. It's a lot like the Scorpius and all the moving parts, right? But the Fury MX specifically has this beautiful design of um, of like a shield. The shield retracts on like the visor, the front of the ship. The shield retracts and it like it's this very futuristic screen of cameras. It's a really, really done, very well aesthetically pleasing ship but the mx is incredible when it comes to firepower the fury is very mobile but here is why i chose the arrow until cig can figure out or can come through with spawning ships within other ships and making that more streamlined i'm not i'm not gonna play with the fury i'm not I can't imagine taking the Fury out, going from one bounty to another, when you have to take 15 minutes to spawn it from another ship, right? To get into a ship, travel to a, a mining facility just to call the other ship. It's way too complicated. I'm gonna pause to clear my throat. I think on podcast, I'm gonna have to go back and kind of shorten these shorten these gaps, but we're gonna get through it together, guys. <laughs> let's let's go. But that's why I think the arrow for it for now in the current build of Star Citizen, um, I think arrow is is the way to go. And you're gonna find that so far I'm two for two. <laughs> so let's scroll down and let's actually take a look at the tournament bracket. So here's round one. We talked about the Fury and the Arrow. The Arrow winning, going on to round two. The Scorpius and the Redeemer. Um, I'm going to give you a sneak peek of my spreadsheet real quick. But it looks like <clears throat> there are 19,000 votes that are in right now. 52% are going towards the Redeemer. So I think it's still too close to call. Um, but I'm confident. I'm comfortable in saying that the Redeemer has a very good... A very good chance of coming out on top so and we'll get back to that spreadsheet here in a second so tomorrow I'm sorry later today in the next like two or three hours the reclaimer is going to go up against the vulture which is super interesting because they're both salvaging vehicles you can name the reclaimer uh, the reclaimer is freaking massive you could probably do more and put more in the reclaimer but the vulture is like a smaller one-seater um, that you're probably going to get more versatility out of. Um, and when I say versatility, I guess more playtime when you can't get your organization together you know, every single night. So that one's going to be tough. I think it was smart for them to put the two salvaging vehicles together. However, I'm probably going to vote for the Reclaimer just because of its capabilities, right? Just because of its size and its potential, right? <clears throat> so the next one is the Terrapin versus the Carrick. Carrick wins. I don't know why the turtle keeps making it into this bracket. Uh, Carrick wins. The Mercury versus the Corsair. That is going to be very interesting. You can name the Mercury. The Mercury has a secret garage. Uh, there's a lot of game loops there. Um, you can actually get into the hole of the ship and come out on or underneath the chessboard in the entertainment area. Mercury is fun. I'm going to be voting for the Mercury. However, the Corsair is a very, very popular ship. It's a very popular ship. So just from social media alone, um, and it's a lot more, I think it's cheaper. I, in fact, I think it's like half the price uh, of the Mercury. So it's cheaper, but you can't name it like you can the Mercury. <laughs> And that will always be like a, a place in my heart. Like I want to be able to name it and customize my ship as much as possible. Which is why one of the reasons I can't wait for Starfield. Like I like the idea of creating my own spaceship and putting whatever colors I want on it. Um, I think that 
is going to be an appeal of Starfield. Let's move on. The Constellation Andromeda versus the Cutlass Black. So this is an interesting um, an interesting call out. I, I want to take a step back and I want to look at uh, the, the ships as like a chassis. I would rather us be talking about the Constellation period versus the Cutlass period than specifically the Andromeda versus the Black. And I say that because like, I would put the Cutlass Red above the Cutlass Black because it has medical bays. It can do all the things the Black can, right? But the Red has medical bays, and I use that personally as a dropship. The Constellation Andromeda, actually I've never flown the Andromeda, but I would also argue that the Taurus, I've heard more from social media about the Taurus, and then you're kind of discounting the Aquila and my personal favorite, the Phoenix. So I just think you call it flat out the Constellation. You leave it as a as the chassis, and you can call anything else. Um, you you can you can go specifics. I think like later, or maybe in the paint scheme, the paint scheme can be applied to the whole chassis, and it doesn't really matter what the Andromeda is. Because here's the problem: if the paint scheme is for the chassis and can be applied to every single constellation you're hurting the constellation's chances by saying specifically the Andromeda. Because I personally could care less about the Andromeda, right? But I want something for the Phoenix. So if I'm going into this conversation assuming the constellation Phoenix versus the uh, the Cutlass, you know, series, I'm choosing the constellation because it has the Phoenix. That's the rub, or that's that's where I'm, that's where I'm struggling. Two more matchups. The 400i versus the 600i. Now this one is interesting. They're both Origin. Uh, they're both part of the I series, which all of Origin basically is, but you have the 400i, which is the space duck, uh, or space yacht. It looks like a duck's head. Uh, I, I love it for all of its, um, for what it is. It's very hard to park on uneven uh, terrain because of the way it's the way it's laid out. But you have the 400i, and you have the 600i, which I think wins hands down. You can solo like very high risk bounties with the 600i and never even get shot once. You stay really far back. The moment you're able to land rounds down range, like you're causing damage before they even see you. So the 600i and it's beautiful, and you can name it, um, I, 600i wins, in my opinion. And then the last the last round is is ridiculous. I, I, don't, I don't even know why, like why did they do this? Why did they do this? The cutter versus the 890 jump. Of course the 890 jump wins. Of course it does. Why would you put those two against each other? If it were me, I would have put the 890 jump up against the Carrick in round one. Go ahead and get that crap sorted out now. And then put the Cutter against the Terrapin. I think a Turtle versus a small starter ship is a lot more of a appealing conversation. And a Carrick versus the 890 jump is a lot more of an appealing conversation. But as it stands right now, they're not even going to face each other until the finals. Right? Because look at it, right? The Carrick is in this top bracket. The 890 jump is in this bottom bracket. So if the 890 jump wins, 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 and this is for YouTube, I'm showing the columns. If the 890 jump wins, second round, third round, fourth round, they go to the final, they're not going to see the Carrick until the final. So here's here's what I think. I think it's going to be the final four. Here's my opinion of the final four. Let me cough real quick. So I think the final four are going to be the 890 jump. I'm going to say the 890 jump, the Mercury, the Carrick, I don't know. I mean, there's nothing really else on the top of this list. Maybe the Redeemer. So let's do that. The 890 jump. 
the Mercury, the Carrick, and the Redeemer. I think those four are going to make it. Let's transition to my beautiful mind spreadsheet. <laughs> I've talked a lot about this. Um, I've talked a lot about this on socials. I've shared, I've shared some screenshots. I think it's time we actually get into the breakdown. So here we go. This is last year. So last year, top left of the screen, that was 358, wow, 358 days from today. Right, so I have this beautiful automation that does everything for me. But 358 days later, we created this uh, this spreadsheet, and here's everything. I mean, it's literally all the information you ever want to know about anything. So we know that the Carrick won first place, Mercury was in second, the Pisces was in third, and the Scorpius was like kind of a shoe in. So those are your top four of last year. You see the Redeemer. I think the Redeemer beats the Scorpius. And if the Redeemer beats the Scorpius, then there you go. Those are your that's your little switch up for this year. Carrick stays in, Mercury stays in, the 890 jump comes in as one of the top four. But here are the total votes. So last year we had four hundred thousand seven hundred and ninety-nine votes. So let's just call it four hundred and one thousand. So out of 401,000, the carrot got, what, 15.74%. So the carrot, I mean, barely, barely beat the mercury. Uh, but as you can see, the carrot never matched with the mercury. They never went head to head. So that's going to be an interesting, that's going to be an interesting bracket if it so happens. And I don't think it, I don't think it can the way it's laid out, but there you go. So 15.74% of last year's votes went to the Carrick, 15.51% went to the Mercury, and then the rest are kind of fodder. Here is the interesting call out from this year. Let's go to 2023. So in round one, match one, the Fury versus the Arrow, there was a total of 24,496 votes. Respectively, last year's round one, match one, Redeemer versus Gladius, or Gladius, 27,970. So that is a 12.42% decrease year over year. Does that matter? I don't know. Does that matter? If this was for Amazon and I was in a monthly business review or quarterly business review, I would deep dive this and I would explore the why, right? But I don't think it matters here. I don't think it matters in this game. Um, we're about 3,000 votes short of what we were last year, but it's the Fury versus the Arrow. I don't think that is an appealing um, matchup. Like, I think I think we're actually gonna see more votes today for the Scorpius and the Redeemer, but the Fury versus Arrow, I, I, don't, I don't think people were super excited about that matchup, number one. Number two, there is a huge lull this year in my mind this year versus last year so this year we talked about it in the last episode there's all these other games competing for our attention boulders gate 3 diablo 4 cyberpunk's expansion so a lot of people are playing cyberpunk polya is up here right but starfield is like right around the corner i think there's a lot of attention on these other games not not because of Star Citizen, I think in spite of Star Citizen, like regardless of Star Citizen, there's a lot of attention on other games, but I don't think it's negatively impacting or it's a perception on Star Citizen. At least I don't see it, I don't hear it from the concierge channels or the spectrum. I don't hear it from social media. I don't think that's the case. And again, I think the Scorpius and the Redeemer are going to see more votes in round, or match two than the Scorpius versus the Warden. In fact, that's already the case. Last year, the Warden got 9.3K votes. Both the Scorpius and the Redeemer are above it. Well, the Scorpius is right under 9.3, but we're also, we also have like three more hours left. So we're already going to be match two of round one. It'll be interesting to look at the completion. So at the end of this week, so day one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, after eight days of doing this, we're going to see the total votes of round one and see if it really matters. Last year, total votes of round one, 203,000 votes, 203.7K. 
and it's irrelevant. It's it's not relevant for me to say where we're at today because we still have six more days of this. Uh, but we're at forty three point six k, so significantly less. So this is my beautiful mind spreadsheet. And last time I'll say that I, I love this. Getting into the data is is where my passions lie. I'm a senior program manager at work, so this yeah, this makes sense, right? <laughs> uh, it's gonna come through. So. I hope you see value in that. I hope you see the value in looking at the numbers and crunching in the so what factor, the why it matters and ships versus ships and rounds versus rounds and what it all means. Uh, days of the week. I think that might be something important to add to this was the votes uh, for on a Thursday versus a votes on a Sunday. Right. There's not a lot of activity on Sundays or Saturdays and Sundays. So it's going to be interesting to find out more uh, and this is the best place to go to get it. I'm telling you right now, I, I promise you from the TikToks, YouTube shorts and all the other socials, we are going to be pursuing the deep dive like nobody else. So stay tuned. Change of segments. I'm going to clear my throat. <laughs> and get some hydration because I'm freaking parched. The joys of doing this live. Okay. So there you have it. I hope you saw value in the ship showdown analysis. Um, let's go into the roadmap roundup. And again, right after the roadmap roundup, we're going to go into the lore drop. And that'll be it for this week's Beyond the Verse podcast. So I am on the webpage for the roundup update. I'm going to go ahead and switch over to screen share for those of you on YouTube. And let's get into the narrative. Happy Wednesday, everyone. Every two weeks, we accompany the roadmap update with a brief explanatory note to give you insight into the decision making that led to any changes. This is part of an effort to make our communications more transparent, more specific, and more insightful for all of you who help make Star Citizen and Squadron 42 possible. With that said, let's go ahead and dive into this week's roadmap roundup. CIG community team. So the notable changes for August, here we go. This is exciting. Let me go ahead and open that up because we're gonna look at the roadmap next. All right, this is exciting. The following cards have been added to release view in the 320 column, targeting a launch with, and this is important, Alpha 320X. So it's not gonna be when it first drops, it's gonna be at some point, like a subsequent patch update during 320. We now have a commitment to the Crusader C1 spirit. Yes, that excites me. Remember a couple of weeks ago, a couple episodes ago, we talked about the Crusader A1 dropping, and I was like, man, for them to be, you know, uh, developing the cargo updates in the game, I'm surprised to not see the C1. The A1 is, I think, the weapon, the weapon version, the weapon system version, um, but your gunner, it's going to be, I think it's a, maybe it's a bomber, uh, I don't remember, but it, it's your, like, military vessel. But the C1 is your cargo vessel, and again, I was confused, like, why would you drop a, a chassis that does not pertain to the point of patch 320, right? Like the point of patch 320 is the cargo updates. You're getting the whole C, which is a cargo ship. Why would you not drop the C1? Well, here you are. They're committing to it. The C1 Spirit is coming in 320 at some point and the Tumbral Storm. So building implementation and balancing of both the Crusader, C1 Spirit and the Tumbral as a game ready vehicle. So that's really exciting. The Temporal Storm is is in and of itself a, a surprise because it's, I mean, it's, it's fairly, like from the time they announced it, which was earlier in Q2, from the time that they announced it to the time that they're making it game ready, that is super fast. Now, I don't necessarily know when it went into production, like when they went through gray box, white box, all of that. So it, it might've been more, but they announced it in Q2 and here it is available in Q3. That's really, really exciting. And hopefully it bodes well for future ships. So that's exciting. 
quickly transition to the actual roadmap progress tracker. So this is the progress tracker. You can dive into this if you like and see where everything is being uh, created, but we always go to the release view for simplicity. 320, let's drop 319, 320. Um, just a reminder to everything that's happening in 320. So locations, new Crusader platforms is tentative. Seraphim station is commit. Wow. I could not get to the mute button fast enough on that one. I apologize. Um, the two locations, uh, the two locations, one being uh, the Crusader platforms and the second being Seraphim Station. So we talked about that through Nausea in the last you know, several episodes, but it'll be nice to see the new port Olasar. Sad that it's leaving, but it'll be nice to see it. Gameplay, the rest, these are committed. Uh, committed physicalized cargo updates. Again, that's like the point of 320. New missions, salvage contracts, cover up. Tentative, retrieve consignment missions. Committed, and I think this is all the Arena Commander updates, so assume the rest of these are committed. Committed, Arena Commander new map, security post Korea. Arena Commander new dogfighting map, Winner's Circle. Uh, Arena Commander experimental game mode, that's going to be important. Committed, Arena Commander new elimination map, Echo 11. Arena Commander, new dogfighting map, Jericho Station, which that and Sarah, uh, not Seraphim, that and, um, oh, we just covered it. So, uh, security Post Korea. So, so Security Post Korea and Jericho Station are going to be really awesome, awesome maps to do. Committed, Arena Commander, New Horizon Speedway Rework. Arena Commander new racetracks. Arena Commander front end update, which is more aesthetic or cosmetic. And then we get into ships and vehicles. Guys, again, ships and vehicles, five entries. That's important. That should be a breath of fresh air for the community. Five entries of ships and vehicles. We're updating wheeled vehicle handling, right? So that's happening. Tumbrel Storm, Crusader C1, Crusader A1, and the whole C. That's, again, I'm going to say it one more time. It's a breath of fresh air. One of the most consistent feedback or complaint that I hear from the Star Citizen community is the time it takes to launch ships. Well, we're about to get four plus an improvement to wheeled vehicles. I mean, I'm, I'm not going to bite off more than I can chew. <laughs> that sounds like a pretty productive patch to me. And going into CitizenCon, hopefully, there's a lot in Q4 that we have to look forward to. Alrighty, we're going to try to get through this. But we, we, we have Life Labor, the secret history of Hurston Dynamics, a lore reading to get through, and... I am like dying on the inside. So let me try one more time to clear my throat, get some hydration, and we will try to get through this. I will try to get through this. So here we go. All right, let's do it. Life Labor in the Secret History of Hurston Dynamics. Chapter 8. Maria. Let's do that again. Chapter 8. Maria, yeah, Maria. Pure of heart, dubious of purpose. Quote, you can't marry her. Maria has class but little else. She has nothing but trouble. Alton Hurston. In 2799, Jasper Hurston married the 22-year-old Maria Wharton in an act of defiance against his family, and specifically his father, Alton. Though one of his boldest confrontations, it wouldn't be his last. Jasper's independent streak and inclination to put Maria up before his family would eventually lead to him being swept into the dustbin of Hurston family history. No plaque or statue commemorates him in Lorville, but, in a strange twist of fate, 
the Maria Pure of Heart Medical Facility would be named in honor of the woman he was told not to marry. Alton Hurston's assessment of Maria Wharton was hyperbolic, but based on a kernel of truth. The Wharton family had once been a mixture, a fixture in the upper echelons of society only to lose their status due to their vocal opposition to the Messer government. The family's construction firm first rose to prominence by building the spaceport in Quinton on Angeli in the Croshaw system. A stream of lucrative government contracts followed, with their most famous being the design and construction of the biodomes that enclose Jata in the Davian system. Yet, the Wharton construction empire would crumble after being blacklisted by the Messer regime following the refusal of a contract to build an intermittent center they denounced as inhumane. When Mariah was born in 2777, her family lived Mariah, that's Maria. When Maria was born in 2777, her family lived in a tenement high rise in Jada and struggled to survive. Her parents were prominent anti-Messer activists who spoke openly about how the regime destroyed the Wharton legacy due to their descent. A picture of a defiant teenage Maria and her parents protesting in the streets of Jata when the Messer regime was overthrown in 2792 was circulated widely on Spectrum. She became a minor celebrity and used the attention to land lucrative promotional deals that helped raise her family out of poverty. She also leveraged her newfound fame to become a vocal proponent of a variety of progressive political causes, which is why her decision to marry into the Hurston family shocked many close to her. Though Maria would go on to fight for improved medical care for all Hurston employees, friends would criticize her for allying with a company that seemed to embody everything she believed was wrong with the empire. Some historians have even questioned whether she stopped fighting for truly revolutionary reforms at Hurston for the sake of her own name and reputation. Agent of Chaos In 2786, Olivia Hurston convinced the company board to install her younger brother, Alton, as CEO. Transcripts from the closed-door meeting reveal Olivia sold the idea by describing Alton as, quote, an ideal stopgap CEO who could keep the chair warm, end quote, until the board found the ideal person to lead the company into the 29th century. Olivia hoped to convince her son, Desmond, to join the company and ultimately be groomed for the position, yet she worried that naming Alton CEO would increase the chances of his enterprising son, Jasper, attaining the position. So Olivia worked with the board behind her brother's back to stonewall Jasper's career by transferring him away from the corporate headquarters on Earth to the Davian office. Jasper languished there for years, knowing his career was in trouble if his CEO father couldn't rectify the situation. He contemplated leaving the company to make a name for himself another way until one fateful night when he met Maria Wharton. A mutual friend introduced Jasper and Maria, and they bonded over a deep shared sense that family history and politics were working against both of them. When they married in 2799, Maria convinced Jasper to stay at Hurston to focus on being a force for good. Meanwhile, she leveraged his status to further bolster her celebrity and reputation by holding lavish charity events that highlighted her as much as the cause. She admitted to loving the attention and justified using the events to raise her profile by telling the Terra Gazette that, quote, I understand the importance of your name and reputation. My family had theirs destroyed for standing up for what was right. So if I can now attach mine to a cause I truly believe in and get us both a bit of attention, then I consider that a win-win. More people will learn about a great cause and more people will learn about me and hopefully take an interest in other initiatives that I support. End quote. In 2803, Jasper's mid-level management position with Hurston involved examining a rash of new laws passed at the system and local level that strengthen environmental protections and workers' rights. 
As part of a team tasked with assessing whether these new laws would be cheaper to comply with or fight in court, Jasper saw the extent of Hurston's predatory labor and devastating environmental practices that had been allowed under the Mesa regime. He shared his confidential information with Maria, who was likewise horrified. Worried that a leak would be immediately tied back to Jasper, the two contacted a Terra Gazette reporter with the names of several former Hurston employees who were, quote, off-booked, end quote. After suffering severe injuries in an explosion at a Hurston weapon manufacturing plant. The subsequent article brought to light Off Booking, a predatory labor practice used by Hurston to avoid an employee's life labor contract so the company no longer had to provide housing or health care. The story revealed that the company kept met meticulous reports, records, on each employee documenting even minor infractions like taking unauthorized bathroom breaks to use as justification for the firing and releasing them from any liability to cover their medical bills. Following the story and subsequent public scandal, Maria publicly announced she would host a fundraiser to help pay for health care for workers who were off-booked. Her established reputation and public admonishment of the company made headlines across the empire leading Jasper and Maria to receive a calm from his father, Alton, requesting that they immediately visit him at Hurston headquarters. Their gambit had worked. Clearing my throat. <laughs> Human Capital In the meeting, Maria agreed to stop publicly criticizing the company and cancel her event in exchange for two things. One, her working with the company to address the issue, and two, Jasper getting a transfer back to headquarters. Alton and the board agreed, knowing that partnering with Maria on the issue would be a public relations win. The couple relocated to Earth and, in 2804, Maria oversaw and implemented the largest expansion of Hurston's healthcare program, which the company successfully spun as a sign of its willingness to embrace the ethos of the new empire. Yet. Maria would privately admit that she compromised on several issues to get the deal done, and that didn't do enough to guarantee future coverage for those off-booked. Meanwhile, Jasper's standing with the company skyrocketed, though some influential family members represented that he achieved his status through public pressure applied by Maria. This faction opposed numerous manufacturing modernization initiatives spearheaded by Jasper, as well as Maria's attempts to further expand the company's healthcare policies. The couple pushed Alton to champion their agenda, but he stonewalled their efforts, clearly worried that submitting to their pressure would only get him ousted as CEO. By 2811, Maria was convinced that real change would only occur with Jasper as CEO, and that he could only reach that position the way Archibald Hurston did through a ruthless corporate takeover. Jasper secretly met with family members who supported him and set out to convince a few he believed would be on the fence. Then one day, Alton called Jasper into his office and fired his son for plotting a coup against him and the family. Upon hearing the news, Maria stormed into Alton's office and demanded that Jasper get his job back. Exactly what happened next would become a point of contention within the family for years. Near the end of Maria's life, a confidant claimed she told him the truth of what happened. Allegedly, she threatened to expose the company for dumping toxic chemicals into a lake on Asura, which ruined its ecosystem and rendered its water unsafe to drink, unless Jasper got his job back. Yet Alton made it clear that Jasper's political maneuverings made him a person non grata within the company and that while exposing the Assur incident would be bad for Hurston, it would also force the company to bury Maria and Jasper in lawsuits that could bankrupt them. In the end, Jasper would never work for the company again, but in 2812, Maria would help launch the Hurston Health Foundation, a charity focused on providing medical care to all former employees, including those who were off-booked. Today, some believe Maria prioritized her legacy above fighting for real change. 
Others argue that she made the best out of a bad situation and helped Hurston workers more than anyone else of the era. Regardless, Maria's name became, in one of, became the one remembered and revered, thanks in large part to Maria and Jasper's son, Chesterfield Hurston, who became one of the most powerful and venerated board members of the 29th century. Following Maria's death in 2880, Chesterfield announced that the new state-of-the-art medical facility being built in Lorville would be named in her honor. Many saw this as a fitting tribute to the woman who championed worker health care. Yet others believe it to be a strategic move by Chesterfield to enshrine and ally himself with his mother's legacy instead of his father's. Much like the contentious relationship between Alton and, and Jasper, Chesterfield and Jasper famously feuded, including on the fateful night Jasper disappeared, leaving some to speculate that the Hurston family knows more about what really happened to Jasper than they've publicly revealed. In transmission, as I clear my throat. What a great article. Um, yet another example of CIG and the narrative team having a great uh, depth to their story. This is just one planet system, right? One planet system. This is Hurston that has the Lorville capital city that has, I think, two, two, three satellite planets. Um, and it goes so deep and you can go through 900 years of lore and see where Hurston made its mistakes, where they shined and why we see statues of some of them around today, 2953. I get a kick out of going into the narrative team's lore. Like, I absolutely love it. Um, obviously, I'm creating a podcast basically over it, but I can't wait to get into the new stuff. Like Pyro in 4.0 is a whole new system. It's it's a different Stanton. And I can't wait to start diving into even more layers of that entirely new system. I think once we go through a jump point and arrive into Pyro, anything can happen. And that's the beauty of this game is that literally anything can be written about any system, anytime, anywhere. It's really, really, really exciting. So with that, we're going to wrap up episode 21, Live Showdown, Beyond the Verse Star Citizen podcast. And again, I don't have a really beautiful outro to play this time because I'm recording it. But if you would like to become part of the conversation, questions, comments, concerns, please feel free to email us at contact at beyondtheversehq.com. Follow us on all of our socials at forward slash BTV underscore cast. It's Bravo Tango Victor for Beyond the Verse. And you can support our show by going to our Spotify profile page and giving whatever your heart desires to help us keep the flames lit. With that, I hope this finds everybody well. Until next week for episode 22, safe travels as you traverse within the verse.